Right, if you take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. The title of the message tonight is To the Sons of Men. To the Sons of Men. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 4 through 6 tonight. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. In the previous verses last week, the wisdom of God was shouting out loud from the heavens on the highways and at the entrance uh, to the city, at the gates. Everything about creation is shouting to us. And now you look here in Proverbs chapter 8 verse 4 and we see the purpose of this shouting. Unto you, O men, I call. Oh, that's just, that just gives me chills thinking about it. God sets his wisdom in the heavens, in the world around us. The Bible says day unto day utters speech. And what is the purpose of all this wisdom? Unto you, O men, I call. That's what God's doing. Everything about creation is a glaring testimony to the wisdom of God. Sometimes I listen to teachers explain there's a particular science uh, man, a scientist uh, that uh, I read after sometimes. And, and, I, and I listen to these people talk about uh, creation. And some of the ingenious designs of particular creatures that God made. Such as an article I was reading about a while back by this scientist about the design of a lizard's foot. We don't think a whole lot about that. Maybe we think, well, there's suction cups on their feet or something. But this particular lizard's foot, I was looking at, the, it had a microscopic blow-up of this lizard's foot. You know, they just walk up to all any kind of surface and just, just ride up vertically. You know, it's amazing. But the design of that lizard's foot, it, it allows the lizard to have a molecular bond between his foot and the surface he's walking on. It's not like some kind of suction or something. It's this molecular bond between the pads of the feet and the surface uh, that he's walking on and and when I, when I saw the image of that lizard's foot, I, I couldn't help but think how foolish people are who deny the unquestionable fact that someone very, very wise had designed that foot. Our scientists and engineers today, and I'm sure most of you know, if not, you ought to know, many of the, or if not most of the things that they make um, is a result of their studying nature. They study how God created something. They go back to the lab. They get on their computers. <laughs> they do whatever they need to do, and they try to mimic what God made, such as a helicopter, airplanes, uh, medicine, 
all kinds of things like that. Our, our, but our scientists and engineers today are always trying to copy in the lab or in the factory what God designed in creation. They copy it, and then once they copy it, they then try to go get a patent on it. <laughs> they take somebody's original design, God's, and then they mimic it, and it's always an inferior copy. They can't quite do what the hummingbird does, for example. They may try to make a machine that does it. There's no way they can duplicate. They cannot get that, uh, that uh, precise uh, of, uh, engineering, and they just cannot duplicate it. So they'll get something similar to it, and once they get something similar to it, They'll go out to the patent office and they'll try to get a patent on it as if they came up with it. So, on one hand, they claim that the original design came about accidentally over billions of years. You think of the silliness of that. What they're trying to copy, they say, came about as an accident and random chance over billions and billions and billions of years, yet the inferior copy that they made, well, that was the hard work of highly educated scientists and engineers. You see? I'd love to take those people's work and say, well, you can't have a patent on that. That came about by accident. That just happened on its own. What a bunch of hypocrites these people are. Solomon said last week that God has set his wisdom upon the tops of the high places where everyone can clearly see it. If you can look at the creation around you and still believe it all came about by accident, then you are a fool. People say, I need evidence of God before I will believe in him. We've all heard people say that. I need evidence of God before I will believe in Him. Through the creation, God is calling out to the sons of men. Unto the men, He's calling. They say, I need evidence of God before I will believe in Him. And that's like walking into an art gallery. You go into an art gallery. Let's say that you see an absolutely beautiful, original oil painting of a young woman. And as you're looking at that painting of that young woman, you see at the bottom that it was painted by whoever, the great artist Andrew Shepard, whoever it is. And you look at that and you say, well, <laughs> this is ridiculous. There is, I will not in any way believe in an artist without some type of of proof, some type of evidence. People who believe in artists, who come in here and they believe in artists, they're a bunch of weak-minded, non-thinking people. They're not educated like we are. And it would be foolish to speak like that, to claim that you cannot believe that there is no artist who painted the painting because there is... No evidence that the artist ever existed. Nobody would ever reject the truth of that artist if they see the painting of that young woman. Why? Because the art makes the artist self-evident. Does that make sense? 
The art makes the artist self-evident. Yet we take that same young woman, let's say it was an a, a oil painting of Abigail. And no one would deny the fact of the artist on the basis of the art. Yet you could take Abigail, who is far superior than the few strokes of a brush of oil that has a very weak copy of her image. It doesn't even get in past the, the surface into her brain and her heart and her DNA. Artists couldn't ever come up with all of that. But just the exterior, it, there is a, a, an inferior copy of her image. Far more complex, more real, and better than that, alive. Yet you take that same image right there, and those same people will say, I will not believe in someone that created that image because I have no evidence of it. The art is self-evidence of the artist. So how much more then should we reject or not reject the person who made the woman that the painter painted? This is how God's wisdom shouts to us in creation. Solomon said, Unto you, O men, I call. Every time we see a beautiful sunrise, God is calling out to us. Every time I go out and I look at my chickens, God's calling out to me. My chickens are amazing to me. They're not like some of y'all's chickens. <laughs> my chickens have never had the privilege of having a formal education. They've never gone to chicken school. They've only been raised by human parents, me and mama right here. Yet somehow those birds know which plants they can eat and which plants they can't eat. I don't have to go out there at all. No, no, no. Somehow they know exactly where to hunt for food. Exactly where to go scratch. Exactly how to use those claws to, to dig for it. And, and somehow they know that little bugs are tasty and healthy for them. I never taught them that. Somehow they know that when it gets dark, they need to go climb up somewhere real high to get away from predators that they've never seen. They've never seen a predator. But they know to get away from them even though they're safe in my fenced-in backyard. So how do these chickens know these things? Nobody taught it to them. Nobody showed them. Nobody gave them a, a, a pattern to uh, go by. They had nobody, no older chickens, to duplicate their their actions and to mimic their actions how do they know these things they know because somebody put that wisdom in them all that data the data of being able to look and say i mean to me it's amazing they can look at this plant and say that's bad that's bad for me this plant's good they go pick on it and eat that. That is like, 
an incredible encyclopedia. It, it's, it's all this data programmed into their mind where their, their little brains recognize things they've never been told. Already packed in there. Somebody put that wisdom in there. That data was programmed into their brains from the very beginning. And when I see it, I am amazed. And what is that that I see when I see those chickens doing that? That is God's wisdom calling out to me. Testifying to me of the, the boundless knowledge and wisdom of God. God has a voice in the creation is one of the many chords through which he speaks to mankind. God says, I'm calling unto you. People say, well, I, I want to hear, uh, hear God speak out loud. Well, look back in your text. He says, and my voice is to the sons of man. My voice, listen to that. My voice is to the sons of man. Now, when you're hearing me speaking right now, you're hearing my voice. You know what? For some people that can't hear with the ears, people's hands are their voices. Isn't that right? They can do sign language, and that's their voice to that person. But God says, my voice is to the sons of men. So, Brother Rich, I've never heard the voice of God. How many of you have ever heard the voice of God before? So I've never heard the voice of God. Yet nevertheless, the Bible says, my voice is to the sons of man. The people say, I wish I could hear God speak. And the Bible is saying, God is speaking. You're not listening. His voice is to the sons of men. The problem is, sometimes we don't listen. We don't recognize the language of God. And God's voice is speaking to us through creation all the time. I want to read y'all something if I can find it real quick. Let me look here and see if I can find it. Something I read this morning. Maybe I won't be able to, but I'm going to try. Here it is. I found it. This is from Doug Corrigan. He's that... Uh, scientist I was telling you about he used to work for NASA see kind of smart guy you know he, he helped uh, get the space shuttle going the international space shuttle and he's a believer I want you to listen to what he said because I couldn't help but think of how this tied in with the, the message tonight my voice is to the sons of men quote the real tragedy is that the miraculous has become mundane. And now we're completely numb and blind to the miracles happening all around us billions of times every second. Like a fish who no longer recognizes the miracle of water, we no longer feel the air around us, the sun shining in the sky, and the blood coursing through our veins to deliver oxygen and food to each one of our 30 trillion cells. We no longer recognize the miracle of sight, colors, sounds, feelings, thought, and speech. We have lost the capacity to recognize the absurdness of the self-sustaining thermonuclear reactor floating in the sky 
which delivers energy to our planet faithfully every day, and the 34 billion miles of DNA wrapped up tightly in ourselves. A night sky filled with quadrillions of stars and galaxies can no more stir our emotions than using the bathroom. Yes, the miraculous has become the mundane. The inexplicable rhythm of life has become like a a droning sound that has numbed our senses. And so to see a miracle, we demand to see something out of the ordinary. We ask for miracles because we fail to see the constant flood of miracles screaming at us in the face. Learn to sit quietly until you experience the miracles all around you and inside of you. See the world through a baby's eyes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I say, well said, Brother Corrigan, well said. His voice is to the sons of men. There's never been a time since the creation of the world that God has left the world without a witness for himself. Each and every day, his voice is to the sons of men. He speaks to us through his creation. He speaks to us through his written word. He has spoken to us through his own son. When Jesus came and preached to the thousands, his voice was to the sons of men. When God gave his ten commandments from Mount Sinai, his voice was to the sons of men. When God instructed our parents in the Garden of Eden, His voice was to the sons of men. And in these Proverbs tonight, once again, His voice is to the sons of men, telling us, verse verse 5, O ye simple, understand wisdom. O ye simple, understand wisdom. Interestingly here, the Hebrew root word that the word simple is translated from has the idea of an open, spacious room. An open, spacious room. And when we apply this to the human mind, it gives us the idea of a person who has plenty of room in their head to be persuaded to do something wrong. Sometimes in our English language, if we're trying to talk somebody into doing something, let's say I was trying to talk Brother Shepherd into doing something, and I come back and Miss Tammy says, how did it go? How did it go, Richard? Did he agree to do that? I say, sweetheart, I tell you what, I tried to negotiate with him, but he won't budge an inch. Now, we use that wording, don't we? And so when we're looking at someone with an open, spacious room, that's the simple person the Hebrew's talking about here. Brother Shepherd didn't have an open, spacious room. He wouldn't budge at a single inch, you see. It wasn't room to negotiate. We, we, sometimes we, we say it this way, well, well, how much wiggle room do you have on that price on that vehicle? Don't we say it that way? How much wiggle room do you have? Well, is there a wide open space there? See if I can get you to come down what I want. When the devil came to Eve, do you know what Eve was? She was the simple person that Solomon's talking about here tonight. She was the silly person, which is what that word simple also means. When you look at the definition, 
When we're willing to consider another person's suggestions, again, we often say, well, I'm wide open to the possibility. Once again, a wide open space. Eve's mind was wide open when it came to her willingness to consider the serpent's proposal. It's people like Eve who get talked into doing things that they end up regretting the rest of their lives. The young man talked uh, uh, to the adulteress, remember, in the previous passages. And uh, the young man was talked into her bedroom. Why? Because he was wide open to the idea. That's why. But if he had had the wisdom that Solomon's offering here tonight, then the adulteress would have had no wiggle room to work with. If Eve would have embraced the wisdom of God that he gave her, which told her that the tree, if she ate from it, would bring forth death, she would have had no wiggle room. She couldn't have budged an inch to be talked into making that foolish decision. So wisdom is crying out to people who are wide open, people who are vulnerable to the con artistry of sinful temptations, offering them a rock, solid, immovable, non-negotiable thing to stand on. When you look at God's Word, if your mind is founded on God's Word, if you could picture <clears throat> me trying to come over here and move the Word of God one inch, I'm going to get the Word of God to change and to budge just that much for me. You could take all the people in the world, the devil and all of his angels combined, and have them all get behind each other and push each other and have their hands on this book, and it wouldn't budge one little, what's the smallest thing? I don't know. It wouldn't budge any, not even that much. It's immovable. And so, what we have to do is stay our mind on God's Word. That's God's wisdom. And then with this being our opinion, then when the devil comes and he pushes all the buttons that we have, and he's trying to get us to move and to move and to move, we can't move because God's Word doesn't move. Now, if we're not standing on God's Word, if we're living in the flesh, and we're, 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 we're driven by our feelings and our emotions or whatever else it is besides the Bible, it's not going to take the devil this much right here. He'll be able to push you, just like he did Eve. All he knew was to push the right buttons, and he pushed Eve. But if we don't stand on our feelings, our emotions, or our modern conveniences, or whatever it is at the time, we're sitting on God's Word, He can push and push and push and push. And then we who once were simple and had wide open room to be persuaded by the devil, now have no wiggle room at all. And we won't get ourselves in those fixes. And that's what he's trying to say here. He says, he, he says here uh, that he's talking to the simple. He says, Oh, ye simple, understand wisdom. Understand it. Unfold it. Get your feet on it. Stand on it. He says, look back in your text as we begin to close. Ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. <clears throat> you fools, be ye of an understanding heart. A fool just doesn't understand. 
you can explain things to a fool. You can tell them how the world actually works. You can confront them with truth, and they won't get it. They just won't get it. It's not because they're unintelligent. Foolishness and wisdom has nothing to do with a person's IQ. An intelligent person can be a fool, and an unintelligent person can be wise. The former is like a a wealthy person storing some very stupid things on a very nice computer. That's a person with a good IQ. They've got a bunch of stupid things. They've got all the money in the world. They have a purchase a really nice computer, and they just uh, upload stupid things onto it. The latter is like a poor person who stores some very wonderful things on a notepad, <laughs> just a paper notepad, you know? So it, it has nothing to do with your IQ, your capacity, in your mind to be able to, to uh, uh, think brilliantly. But it's better to have wisdom on a notepad than foolishness on a computer. And the good news is God's wisdom is shouting out to notepads everywhere. He's saying, hey, you fools, hey, you simple people, understand wisdom, get wisdom. He's talking to people who have the, the, the lowest potential as far as their IQ goes. Doesn't matter. As long as they're a fool, they're qualified to get wisdom. They can have a nice computer. They can have a little notepad. Does not matter. God says, I'll give it to you. Have some understanding, you foolish people. The state of Texas is going to be voting soon if you haven't been keeping up with it on whether or not to keep folks in Texas from trying to change young people's gender, from trying to affirm uh, uh, gender if they're, if they're trying to uh, re-identify their, 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 their sex. And to me, it makes perfect sense that we would uh, keep some of these perverts from trying to talk our little boys into wanting to be little girls and little girls into wanting to be little boys. But I was talking to a woman the other day who thought that Texas needed to leave these folks alone. We need to mind our own business. And she couldn't understand why we shouldn't be trying to turn boys into girls. Now, that's a fool. That's a fool. And fools just don't get it. They don't have understanding. She didn't get it. She doesn't have an understanding heart. Do you know what God's Word does for us? God's Word turns the light on so we can see things the way they really are. And she's walking in darkness. Wisdom says to us, verse 6, Hear, for I will speak of excellent things. Hear, you fools. Hear, you simple people. Here, you folks who have the wide open space and you're completely movable and can be tossed to and fro uh, with every wind of doctrine. Here, for I will speak of excellent things. The word excellent here means high-ranking things. <clears throat> doesn't mean, so, oh, well, excellent. It means something high-ranking, way up at the top. When you start studying and meditating on God's Word... It will give you things that are notable, high-ranking, worth speaking about. I'll give you things that will get your mind out of the gutter if you just hear God's Word. You can take the Scriptures, teach them to somebody, 
And if you'll listen, if that person will listen, it'll take their mind from the gutter and they'll set it up on the most lofty places of God's creation. Excellent things, things that are above everything else. It will give you things that will get your mind out of the gutter that will set your sights on higher things. Brother Shepherd was talking about how we've heard from the world all week. As on my way home today, and like many of you, uh, I thought, well, I'd kind of like to hear what's going on in the world today. I've, I've been working and, and uh, see what's going on, you know. I hadn't had a chance to hear any news or anything, so I turned the news on and a few seconds later, I just reach up and flip it back off. Those aren't excellent things. Those are things low priority in my life that I need to hear about, that I need to think about. When you think on God's Word, it will give you thoughts that won't alarm you with unnecessary fears. When you think on God's Word, it will give you thoughts that won't stress you out with all the bad news going on. God says, look back at the text, And the opening of my lips shall be right things. So we have high things and we have right things. And right things basically means straight things. Lofty and straight. So there's two things that wisdom speaks of. High things and straight things. High things, that's excellent. Straight things, things that are absolutely straight, absolutely dependable, absolutely true. I hate turning on the news and trying to figure out who's telling me the truth. I hate turning on the news and trying to figure out and sort through the propaganda that I'm trying to get persuaded uh, to, to think like someone else wants me to think, <clears throat> to hear nothing about the, the latest shooting what Hunter Biden may or may not be arrested on, what the FBI may or may not have on Job. I'm just sick of all that stuff. But if you'll get into the Scriptures, you'll take your thoughts, pull them up from that cesspool, raise them up here to where God sits, to where Christ sits at His right hand. To where you sit in Christ Jesus. It will do that. It will give you those excellent things. And you'll never have to sort through the propaganda. Everything you hear will build you up. Lift you up. And cheer you up. When you get into the scriptures. Unto you I call sons of men. With that we'll go ahead and close tonight. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Father, that your voice is to the sons of men. Oh, Lord, if only we'll be quiet and listen. If only, as Brother Corrigan said, we won't get caught up in the mundane and let the miracle turn into the mundane. If only, Father, we'll learn to see our God's wisdom and hear your voice, dear Lord God, through your creation, through your scriptures, through the beat of our own heart, as, as King David heard your voice when he said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Surely, God, your voice was to him as he thought upon his own body that he resided in. Oh, Lord God, I pray
that you'll tune our hearts to hear your voice. And we too will praise you when we hear it. Help us, Lord, to not be movable. Help us to not be a wide open space of persuasion, but to stand on your wisdom and not be moved. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.